Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout today. We've got an electrifying show that's jam-packed with incredible highlights. We're celebrating Invisible Disabilities Week. We're offering a sneak peek of the upcoming Neurodivergent and Autism Masterclass by Autism Camp Australia and unveiling a special clip or two. Plus, we'll share some details about Dyspraxia USA's current fundraiser and how you can help over 30 million people with dyspraxia, a common co-occurring condition within the autistic ADHD population. But that's not all. Our special guest, Simon Nichols, will be opening up for the very first time about his ADHD diagnosis journey. This conversation on the seven stages of acceptance as a late-identified ADHD adult is one you won't want to miss. Stay tuned for an inspiring and powerful episode. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. Wow, I am so excited to be here today and to share this incredible conversation. Let's kick off our our talk today and let's dive in a little bit because it is Invisible Disabilities Week. And this is a phenomenal organization, invisibledisabilities.org. And I was part of this last year and I was so excited to join and be a part of this again this year. As part of Disability Employment Awareness Month, it's ADHD and also Dyslexia Awareness Month. So I think Invisible Disabilities is also a really important part of the disability conversation that we have this month. Hey guys, say hello, jump in the chat. Let us know you're here. Hey Jen, I'm so glad you're here, my friend. Let us know where you're joining us from. Hey, what are you celebrating today? Share with me. I want to know. Simon's in the background and we're going to be following the chat as we go along the conversation. Because remember, Beyond Autistic Burnout is always an interactive conversation not at you, but with you. So here's a great photograph. This is a post that I put out today because not only am I autistic and ADHD or ADHD, and like many in our community, I have co-occurring health conditions, which include POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, dysautonomia, MVP, mitral valve prolapse, and I'm being tested for MCAS, mast cell activation syndrome, and hypermobility or EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And, you know, there's some really interesting statistics around this, and I'm so glad that things are finally catching up because within the autistic community, research is finally correlating our brains and our bodies as neurodistinct humans. Statistics, which are ever-evolving, currently show over 80% of autistics also have some form of an autonomic condition, with POTS being the most prevalent. 
Researchers found that 66% of participants with hypermobility or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and POTS also had symptoms of MCAS. It's also called the trifecta. These are not visible disabilities, but rather silent and unseen. And so often we are not only missed when it comes to identifying our neurotype, but we are also missed and dismissed when it comes to our health and physical symptoms and conditions. I went for decades silently suffering with overwhelming exhaustion to the point I would fall asleep like I had been drugged after the smallest task. Sitting upright was exhausting some days for me, and standing wasn't always possible without help. I was on over 15 medications at one point just to be able to sit up in bed. I'd become the human version of a fainting goat, and I was not nearly as cute or funny, guys, I promise. It was actually very terrifying, and I remember being very scared when I didn't know what was going on. No one saw this as a disability because I, quote unquote, looked fine. They didn't see that my life was being stolen every day, that I didn't get to play with my boys, drive a car just to go to the grocery store and shop, or work in a career that I really loved. I was missed again. Please, this month, see us, not just this week, but every day. If you'd like to share part of your invisible disability journey, use the hashtag Invisible Disabilities Week or hashtag care in motion. And make sure that you share this within your networks as part of the conversation this month. So as part of invisible disabilities and things that co-occur within our population, I want to highlight. So Warren Freed is one of the founders of Dyspraxia Foundation USA. And I want to share what Warren is doing because they are fundraising right now. And this, my friends, is most definitely an invisible disability and one that's not talked about nearly enough. And it's one of the conditions that is very prevalent within the autistic ADHD population. I almost fell down the stairs the other day myself. Stairs and escalators and things like that have always been really uh, uncomfortable and scary and very unnerving for me. And I'm constantly covered in little tiny bruises. And if you'd like to learn more about what dyspraxia is, I'm going to share just a little, a little insight here. So one in 10 people struggle with dyspraxia right now. This neurological disorder often affects motor skills, but very few know what it is or how it affects children and adults. Um, so the odds are that dyspraxia is a condition that where the neurons in the brain that control motor skills and sensations don't connect or sync and fire accurately. Dyspraxia is often called a hidden condition, and it's also very inconsistent. Dyspraxia is a relatively new term and widely misunderstood. Another thing about dyspraxia is that it can change over time and as you age. Um, so if you'd like to learn more, check out dyspraxiausa.org. There's also a button on the website there to donate if you would like to donate to helping over 30 million people. That's one in 10 just in the United States alone, um, who are most likely part of our population. Thanks so much for the work you're doing, Warren. Hey, Kim, I see you out there. Oh, autoimmune issues are rising and I'm ready to keep working on a health journey. Yeah. Absolutely, Kim. And it really is this uncovering 
Oh, we got Bo joining us from Chicago. Hey, hey. Oh, man. Working on late diagnosed ADHD are awesome. So glad that you're here joining us. So I've got some fun stuff I'm going to start sharing on Tuesdays as part of our segment when we start because I want to share some incredible humans with you guys. So I am part of 27 other global advocates and experts in the field of neurodiversity and autism. And we are part of the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass. And this is going to be launching later this month. And you can go learn more at autismmasterclass.com. But you know, I always like to share some extra little things with you guys because I love to share and love on y'all and, and let you know what's happening in the world. So I'm going to kick off with my good friend, Callum Howes. So this is Callum Stephen Howes. He's known as Autistic Callum. Callum is, oh, he's such a beautiful person. I love him. Callum is an autistic ADHD writer, creator, and self-advocate based in the UK. He was diagnosed autistic in his teens and ADHD last year at the age of 26. He creates uplifting and educational content on autism, ADHD, mental health, and LGBTQ plus issues, exploring sensitive issues with tact and celebrating neurodivergent and queer culture with candid humor. So I'd love to share his clip from Autism Masterclass. I think that we need more autistic voices represented in a range of settings. There are so many brilliant autistic advocates out there on social media platforms and who are interviewed in articles. It is really great to, I think, see autistic voices and perspectives in as many places as possible. And here is Dr. Carly Jones. Carly is a British American advocate working in the field since 2008. She was discovered autistic at 32 years of age. Her advocacy work for the inclusion of autistic women and girls has involved media news, interviews, guest speaking at universities, and at the UK Parliament. Carly became the first British autistic woman to address the United Nations on autistic female rights. She was made an MBE in the 2017 New Year's Honors List for Services to Autism. Join me as you meet. If I had watched this masterclass back when I was 25, I probably would have cried my eyes out in relief and then fainted because I didn't ever think this we'd be where we are now. Oh, I hope this is getting you guys excited for the Neurodivergent and Autism Masterclass launching later this month. So I'll keep sharing clips and highlights on my social media as well as here in the talk show every week to kind of introduce you to 27 of the other amazing rock stars who are part of this incredible project. Oh my gosh, y'all, we are here. We are going to invite our gorgeous guests to the stage in just a sec. Friends, please join me in welcoming our fabulous guest, Simon Nichols, to today's episode. Simon's journey is nothing short of inspiring. With 26 years of experience in corporate IT sales and marketing, he decided it was time to follow his passion for helping individuals manage their mental health effectively. His deep understanding of how organizations and management handle mental health, combined with his senior management expertise, grants him a unique perspective. Simon believes that to truly maximize your team's potential, you must tap into their distinctive personalities and skill sets. 
inclusivity, neurodivergence, mentoring, teaching, and support are the five pillars of his approach to life and work. Today, he's here to share his ADHD diagnosis story and discuss the seven stages of acceptance as a lead identified adult. Welcome to the show, Simon. Oh my gosh, you got to share with me this fabulous story behind the picture that we see here. So Simon is like really suited up in his slicker. He's got his thumbs up. He's got a big crew of people walking behind him. Looks like out in the country and, and it's a rainy kind of blustery day, like Winnie the Pooh would say. Uh, yeah, so that was taken last week. Um, it's a, a recent photograph. So um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, I'm really excited here. Um, that picture was taken on Shetland. Shetland Isles are the most northerly part of the UK, and it's known for its inclement weather. Um, the reason that it was, uh, we were walking down that particular track, because the other thing you might have noticed was one of the chaps who was walking behind me had a pair of binoculars on. Um, I know it looks like we were hunting, but we weren't. We, well, we were, but we were hunting uh, with binoculars and, uh, and cameras. So we were actually going to see a bird called a white thrush. Okay. Um, now, a white thrush this time of year should be anywhere between China and the Indian foothills. However, it was in a small forest in the Shetland Isles, and we were all going to see it. The rain, you, you can't quite grasp just how wet that was just from that photograph. Shetland is known for its horizontal rain. So you, you're, you're walking along and you just, you just get soaked. Um, and we'd been walking for maybe two minutes, three minutes at that point. And that was it. That was, uh, we, were, we were wet all day, but we did, we did see the white thrush. So it was all good. You did. Oh my goodness. That is really cool. Uh, you're going to have to share a picture of the bird. I will. I'm my, one of my friends, actually. Um, I, got my, I, I, could, I could have actually shown you the actual photo of the bird. So I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure it's available somewhere um, afterwards. We'll, I'll, I'll pop it on LinkedIn so everyone can see what a white thrush looks like. Oh, that would be amazing. I, I am an avid bird watcher. And it's been interesting since we moved from Kentucky back here to Alabama. This is the strangest thing. We had all kinds of birds. We attracted, I mean, everything that migrated through. I mean, all the places that we've lived, Colorado, Kentucky, even when we were here before. But something about where we are right now, all the birds are really skittish. We've moved feeders. We've changed feed. We've hung it in different places. We've done everything and they're really shy. So we don't know if we just got to give them a little bit more time, but I always love to hear about people spotting birds and, and especially the unique migratory patterns that sometimes we can catch where they're not where they're supposed to be. It's incredible. I think actually in the, um, because they're, they're normally in China, um, but they have turned up on uh, Alaska on a couple of times. So they are on the North American uh, list, but I, I doubt they'd be getting as far south as uh, as you, but you never know. That's the thing about migration. You never know. We've had a ton of Canadian geese coming through and we've got a pond right here on our property. And so, you know, we had the windows open because it was nice and cool. And we woke up yesterday morning and my husband looked over at me and said, you hear them honking? I said, I hear them honking, honey. <laughs> they were running out the front door in our pajamas to go look at them landing on the pond. 
We love it. Oh so Simon, I, I want to kick off our conversation because we got a good, healthy competition going with our mutual friend, Chazzy Kennedy. She is also one of your co-workers there at Thrive. Tell us a little bit about your TEDx talk, Big Boys Do Cry. I watched this the other day for the second time, and it is so stinking good. Oh, thank you so much. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, I just should put out there, um, as much as I would love you to, everybody to watch it, I, I think it's a really good, uh, meaningful message. It is 22 minutes long. It's, you're not going to do, you're not going to get through this quickly. And there are some trigger points in there. Um, but it's my life laid bare um, from a mental health journey, including depression, uh, including the life impacts that, that I've I've been through. But ultimately, I wanted it to be a story of hope, a story that could inspire other people. And, you know, from the title there, uh, there is it, it does the opening lines is me in a in a pet store um, crying. And uh, it was um, I, I really should point out that um, although Shezzy, uh, Shezzy Kennedy has been a guest, I think, twice on your show, which is incredible. Um, I, I would not be here tonight talking about what I'm going to talk about. And I would not have done that TEDx without Shezzy. Um, and, you know, people go, oh, that's really lovely that you're sort of, no, no, seriously, Shezzy recommended me. Um, she she put me forward for the uh, for the TEDx and I got accepted. So um, genuinely, but that little rivalry that we talk about, because Shezzy is an amazing speaker and her TEDx uh, is currently quite a few views ahead of mine. Not millions. We're not we're not that that uh, that viral yet um but certainly there's there's enough there for her to keep going oh my tedx is better than yours simon and you know what her tedx is better than mine but if i can get a little few a few more views just to get a little bit closer to her that'd be brilliant oh and you have no idea how how perfect the timing was for me when i watched your tedx the other day because right now i'm going through a really hard journey myself because my dog, who I've had for 13 years, has cancer. And it has it's been really tough. And we had it removed on my birthday back in May and it came back with a vengeance um about a month ago. And so you know we're she's on medication. But when I when I saw that it was just it was what I needed to see and what I needed to hear. So I just want to acknowledge and thank you for sharing that journey because mm. it Thank it's you. one of the things we talk about a lot in our community is, you know, how we grieve our our pets, you know, our companions, because they become a part of our family. And, and mm -hmm. it's such a big part of our life. And I think for me as well, it was that stage in my journey that I didn't realize the impact. And, you know, because they're, you know, oh, OK, they're, you know, they're your best friends, they're always around. But, um, you know, oh, they're only a dog that's what people say who haven't got dogs and when you when you put into perspective all of the other stuff that was going on it wasn't the worst thing but that time it was the worst thing and then and then you you build up all of the other emotions you build up all the other um things that are going on in your life and yeah uh, and that's why and i've always been an emotional chap you know i mean i mean i, I cry at happy things and uh, excited things and you know and as well as sad things as well so i did really want it to resonate not only with 
you know, um, uh, men or uh, people who identify as male. But I wanted, I wanted it to be, it's okay to cry whenever. And, you know, I mean, there's so many good things. I, um, uh, I, I did a, a webinar a couple of weeks ago about, you know, all the health benefits of crying, you know, how it, you talked about the immune system earlier and, and actually crying helps boost our, our, our immune um, defences and it, it gives us relief. And it's, it's just a fantastic way for us to um, just embrace our, our own thoughts and feelings and, and actually to help other people acknowledge what those thoughts and feelings actually are as well. Yeah, it really is. And Bear says, love a chap in touch with feelings and the human side of life. Me too. <laughs> it's just it's humans so in touch with it. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, Bear. So, Simon, can you share with us, how did you get, how did you come to the knowledge or the awareness that, you know, all of a sudden, hey, I might be ADHD. I may need to look into this. How did how did it show up in your world, my friend? Okay, so um, it, it's it's beautiful, isn't it? Looking back, but again, once again, all Chesie Kennedy's thought. Um, um, I've known. We're just going to blame Chesie for so much. We, we should blame <laughs> her for, for everything. Um, for for Chesie, when when we first met, and and I've known Chesie before way before um we uh we joined forces at five and um so she was a she was a friend friend of my wife friend of mine and uh it was it was about the first sort of month or so that we started working together in about 2020 and what and the reason i called this the the you know the seven uh seven stages of acceptance we'll go into a little bit later but ultimately there was a conversation that suddenly went, uh, and I can remember it still this now, is when are you getting your diagnosis? Now, bearing in mind, you know, going back to um, uh, Thrive, and you know, we do a lot around neurodiversity in the workplace and supporting individuals. So I'd, I'd lived and breathed the sort of the neurodiversity space without really realising I was in it. Um, and that's a really odd thing to say for a sort of, at that time I was 47, uh, for, for me not to realize that I was thinking differently. Now, I always knew that I was thinking differently, but I just put that down to, I don't know, entrepreneurship, um, don't ev doesn't everybody do this? All of these things were in my life that I felt um, well, I weren't different. I was just, you know, there was just ways that I had, and everybody has 127 ideas an hour, and um, but never acts on them. And it was only when Chesie, who was very measured in in her in her ways, and she said, "Are you going to get your diagnosis?" And I'm like, "What diagnosis for what?" And she started sending me um, these wonderful, you know, the ones, the wonderful sort of, uh, "Do you have ADHD? Check this out." um and and i sort of thought oh do you know what i'll have a little look and it's you know the you answer these questions and i i consistently got nine out of ten i think on some of them i got ten out of ten so i suddenly thought mm, yeah I'm, I'm, i might have a, a, you know something whatever that might be and we carried on and we carried on and we we developed the program and everything was going right and i found out a lot about ADHD. I found out a lot about dyspraxia, dyslexia, dyscalculia. And even then, and we're talking probably, you know, 2022 now, 
Um, and even then, there was still, there wasn't this, there was no glimmer. There was no aha moment because I still felt, I've got ADHD. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I haven't. It, it, you know, it's just the way that I am. And the more I learned about it, the more I got in, 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 involved and was helping to support other people. And we we had a lot of our instructors coming onto our onto our program who were going to get ADHD diagnosis, who went on to get autism diagnosis. All these fantastic um, individuals were really starting to sort of understand their world. And there was me still, mm, I'm not sure, Shezzy. And you know, if you hear Shezzy, she's shouting it from the rooftops at this point. Um, we then started. I can, I can visualize this right now. I can see her. <laughs> she said, it's, it's like that sort of, and it, what's really funny now is that we, um, uh, we, because we, we, we do the training together and we, we, you shouldn't diagnose anybody else. Okay. That's, that's not a great thing to do. And we, we, we teach our instructors, you know, you're not there to diagnose, but then you're, someone will say something or that some way and they'll go, but I'm definitely not neurodiverse. And me and Cher just have this little look between us going, mm, yeah, okay. Um, but it's, um, for me, it was, uh, we started working with a wonderful organization called QB Tech. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of QB Tech. Um, and uh, the, the UK um, marketing director, really good friend of mine, Tom Bridge, started um started talking to me because obviously they, they do some sort of uh, adhd screening um etc start to speed up the process and he said um why don't you why don't you have one of our tests why don't you have one of our qb tests just do it at home no pressure um free of charge thanks again tom and um so i i got the test in july okay i did the test in december so if you if you've ever done a procrastination checkbox on ADHD, um, and as I say, it was a it was a twenty minute it was twenty minutes, literally twenty minutes, um, and it was going to give me it was it wasn't a diagnosis, but it gave me a propensity to so I could go and seek a diagnosis if I if I so chose, and but it took me six months to even almost open the box, and when I opened the box, I because it's an online uh, test, and I always have to do well at tests. I don't know if there's a competitive edge in ADHD world. Who knows? I always have to do really well, the perfectionist in me. So what I was prepared to do at this point was I, I my life was going to go two ways. Number one, I was going to win. I was going to beat the test, but I didn't know what winning was. And number two... If I did beat the test and I did win, I wasn't sure what the prize was. But what I did was I did my <laughs> absolute best to be whatever it was I was meant to be because I wanted to win, but I didn't know what it was. And oh so gosh, I did things. So I did things, and I, I, I. Do you know what? I won. I was I was ninety eighth percentile in this fancy thing called ADHD. And it was, again, you know, I thought I was on the ball. I was on the money. I was, I was, you know, owning this. But again, I didn't know what I was owning. Um, and at that point, 
I think, and this was December 2022. So this was literally sort of, um, you know, 10 months has been a roller coaster for me. Um, so when we talk about those seven stages of acceptance, the first thing was, uh, you know, let's go shock and disbelief. I was like, oh, oh, all of my thoughts and the way that I've been thinking may have something to do with the way I was born. Fantastic. That was my shock and disbelief. Then came the denial. I mean, literally in about 30 seconds, and the denial that Shezzy was right. How dare Shezzy be right? Um, I, there's no way, there's no way, because I'm never going to hear the end of this. And then this is the, and this is the biggest one. And we always know that there's a level of guilt that comes into it, because as well as, you know, as well as taking the test, and I know, you, you know, nothing could be formed for that. But previously seven months while I wasn't taking the test I was doing a lot of research and I looked back in my life and that's when the guilt came in because I realized that my rubbish timekeeping which exists to this day um even when I was you know I was uh before the show I was right okay I'm going to be ready 15 minutes before the show I got out of the shower eight minutes before the show started because I just I just had this disbelief I've got time for a shower I've got time just to kind of need to make my hair look nice um and and yeah even to this day so the guilt really came in that of all the people that had covered for me and I say covered for me because there was a, a wonderful wonderful person I used to work with who used to set my meetings tell me a different time for my meetings so I would be on time and I just felt, you know, and I, I used to have this really horrible saying and people around the world globally, because I know how many people watch Carol, and they're going to say, Simon, you absolute idiot. And what I used to say was, it's okay, I'm not late, because I haven't arrived yet. And I just thought, how rude is that? This is other people's time, other people's energy. And I'm not, but I had every intention. I had every intention to be on time. And, but that procrastination, perfectionism, I'm just going to finish off this email. How long is it going to take you? At least uh, maybe 30 seconds, 10 minutes later, and you're still working. And you've almost missed that opportunity to go out and see your friends. So I felt that real passion of of upset because I, I um what do I have ADHD people we don't like people upset we don't you know we want the dopamine of happy people and so all of this started to like it, it really did cave in on me um and then we talk about anger and bargaining don't we we sort of like, oh why have I and for me it was like what why have I procrastinated for these seven months and what am I going to do about it you know, because I've let these people down without realizing, um, based on a subset of my thoughts and, and the way that I'm thinking, um, I still have absolute belief that I'm going to get everywhere on time. And I know I don't. Um, and I sort of started sort of talking to myself to say, well, what can I do to change? And I'm still in that, actually, because my time management, I really try hard. Um, but I probably need another help, you know, something else, something additional. Uh, and I think that's really where I am at the moment in, with that. So although, I, although I've left anger behind, I'm still in the bargaining space with my, with my own self to say, what can I do next? Oh, my gosh. So much relatability in this. And I can't thank you enough for 
being courageous and vulnerable and showing up in, in such a brave way because it's not easy, especially in, you know, what I call the early processing phase, you know, of going through those, those reflections, looking back on your life, you know, there's shame, there's guilt, there's anger, you know, there's sometimes even feeling of like betrayal, of like, how did mm. people see this? How could somebody not have helped me sooner? You know, in the time blindness thing, oh my gosh, you know, even though I now know I have it and I have tools in, in my toolkit to help me navigate and manage that a little better, it still happens. And it's, it's you know, still sort of like, you know, yesterday morning, I was getting a script written for a project that I was doing. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to sit down. I'll review it real quick and I'll get it sent over. And like, you know, like the saying SpongeBob, four hours later, <laughs> it's just like, what the happened to the time? You know, and, and those kind of things are just, oh, it's it, you can be so frustrated, especially, you know, as entrepreneurs, as, you know, and business people, it's like time, like you said, it's like, Time, other people's time and our time is valuable and it's not that we don't value it but it gets misinterpreted or misunderstood when we have time blindness and we have a challenge with some of these time concepts people start to think that we don't care about time that they're not important to us and then it starts impacting our relationships you know what are some of those kind of insights maybe you've had simon it's well i mean especially like you say the relationships so um just off the top of my head um my daughter alex i um completely forgot at school once to pick up um my son james uh, my other daughter jess uh i i don't they, they could probably add it up to a day the, the times that i've been late for them in terms of that cumulative effort but the thing is they're okay because dad's always late and I think that really sort of started to impact me because I don't want to be late for them and I mean when they were smaller and you know you, you miss so much and now they're they're adults and but their time keeping is impeccable they are amazing they're I don't know if they've seen me and said we're not going to be doing doing it this way um and Jessica um uh Jessica is uh uh, undiagnosed um, uh, autism. Uh, James is uh, dyslexia and actually going for an autism diagnosis at the moment. And yet they seem to have, in, uh, I guess, um, got the got the best bits of of, that, of the neurodiverse. I they are on time. Uh, they they are. They don't procrastinate. They're very much um, forward thinking individuals. And um, it's 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 lovely to see that that my impact hasn't impacted them uh, as much as uh, possible as, as it could have done alex does still remind me that i don't didn't pick her up from school and that was sort of 20 no 15 years ago now so uh, but um she'll be over it soon i'm i'm, I'm sure and when you say about relationships as well because you you know obviously personal relationships and um um uh, and my wife Kelly is the most on-time person in the world. If there's an opportunity to be 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier, she will grasp it, um, which is great for me because then if I'm being a little bit dawdly um, or I've forgotten to do something really important like I've rearranged the kit 
cans of soup in the in the living room or whatever it is um i've still got enough time to do that and then not be late because we we get ready a little bit earlier but yeah it does have an impact on relationships of course it will because other people's time as you said is important and uh, we need to help manage it so that we can help not impact other people as much as we do so simon as as you were kind of going through these seven layers of acceptance for you where where's the place that you are right now um i i i have totally accepted who i am and what's really interesting for me at least is i'm not who i was 10 years ago okay and i and and i look back and i don't i i, I see that i see me as a teenager i see me in my early 20s and my early 30s and there's a sort of um lackadaisical relaxed chilled out person that that i i was and i look back and i and who didn't care about time and didn't care necessarily it would appear about other people's feelings i did of course but it but on the surface and i loved change and i and i and and it seems in the last 10 years when I've had real time to focus on me, and the reason I say for the last 10 years is because that's pretty much when I started my own business and I started to think about um, and have all these ideas. It was like um, an ideas factory uh, opened up inside my head and they'd always been there. But because I was working in the corporate world, I didn't have time to, oh, wouldn't it be great if we did this? Yeah, but you can't sign me because you're working for this company. Now I was working for myself. Um, wouldn't it be great to do this and do this and do this? And so I was able to understand that, um, you know, and I know Shezzy doesn't like the word superpowers, and, and I hate the word superpowers for me, but I was able to do things that other people couldn't. And I was able to get up on stage and I was able to um, quite often um, when I'm asked to do facilitation for organizations, um, um, they'll say, right, well, you know, we, we'd like you to do this. And I'd like, OK. Um, and they say, well, how much prep do you need? It'll be fine. I'll turn up and I'll do it. And, I, and, and, I, and I've done that for years and I've gone up there and I've delivered 15 minute keynotes with, you know, notes on, on a post-it note. Um, and people say, wow, how can you do that? And I just think, wow, why can't you? And it's um, and it's only when people explain, you know, that's actually quite difficult. And because I look at like comedians and, and actors and stuff, and I think, wow, how can you do that? And it's just the way that they've, you know, their life experiences and the way they've been taught and and all these sort of things. And I suddenly think, actually, I've, you know, it's not a, a superpower. It's just a way that I harness thinking a little bit ahead about what's going to come out of my mouth and because i've done it a lot i've done it in front of you know audiences of you know thousand people plus i find it really easy at the same stage i've really started to not accept change very well um i just the other day uh my wife changed the washing up bowl it's always been a white washing up bowl and it was red now with handles i'm, I'm still i'm i'm feeling a little bit shivery about it the Simon of 10 years ago wouldn't have cared about the washing up bowl. But suddenly the Simon who's maybe more in touch with his feelings has gone for a journey and is suddenly acutely aware of how his every thought may explode into a different thought. And suddenly I'm threatened by a washing up bowl. 
um, or if I can't have um, a particular type of beans. And again, I, I, I'm not necessarily sure that I need to go down an autism diagnosis in any way, shape or form, but certainly I've noticed my ADHD has evolved. Um, and maybe now I'm just more accepting that it's okay to not be okay with change. Whereas before, I think I'm, I think I masked for the vast majority of my life and now I'm not masking anymore. Oh gosh, you, you have touched on so many wonderful topics and just emotions as part of this processing journey. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, as you said, is we have this level of masking and it's, it's the tool that we use and everybody uses it, but we use it in a different way. It shows up for us in a very different manner, especially when we're unidentified and, and we're late identified. How we start to recognize that is, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I didn't just mask. I masked to the professional level of camouflaging. I was the cutest chameleon you never saw, right? And, and part of that is also, you know, a lot of times it's for us, you know, and a lot of times how we experience the world and the way the world responds and experience to us is like, you're doing it wrong. You're not fast enough. Or, you know, what took you so long to get here? Why did it, you know, this was like a five minute thing. What took you two weeks or six months, you know? And all of that, we start to internalize. And then the world doesn't feel safe. And we don't feel safe. Like, I can't trust that I'm going to get someplace on time. Like, I am so hypervigilant about the clock and my watch and making sure I'm not going to be late, you know? And, and, it's almost like because I'm autistic and ADHD, it's, it's you know, like my friend who's in the chat, Jensen, is like, does your brain like war with itself? And I'm like, yes, it does. It has, it has a full on conflict some days. And it's just also ha having that grace and the awareness of like, oh, in this moment, I really need predictability and I need consistency. And these elements are aspects of my life because my ADHD, nonlinear, very, you know, high speed creative brain needs to be able to have some stability at its core, you know? And I think that autistic part of me kind of roots me to have that, that framework. But when you don't know any of these things about yourself, you end up kind of holding it all in and, and sort of like, you know, big boys do cry. Well, you know what? So, so do big girls. And I didn't have to put on my big girl panties to do it. It was just like, there was so much around the story. I would tell myself about why I couldn't cry. Cause it mean, I, it meant I was weak. It meant I lost control of my emotions. You know, it was all of the story that I would tell myself. So I would hold it all in. And a lot of times it would build up so much that when I did start crying, it was like uncontrollable sobbing. It was like some serious ugly crying, y'all. It was bad, ugly crying. <laughs> you know, the snooey, the, 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 you know, the mascara, the stuff everywhere. But it was like in that, that I can look back and I can see because, you know, that contrast creates such clarity. And in this moment, you know, as, as I have been on this journey for the last going on 10 years, it's like, I can just give myself some grace. I can have some compassion. I can just get compassionately curious about, hmm, wonder why I was, you know, doing that today or how did that come up? But, you know, I love that you've got some additional insights to kind of share around, you know, what are the things about 
how can you be the best you you can be and thrive? What are some of the things that that you've sort of brought and has created clarity for you on this? Well, it's it's interesting because having had and and it's so fascinating now that I work in the world of neurodiversity and mental health, and we know the um, that that crossover um, between neurodiverse individuals is, um, is 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 upwards of forty percent also having a you know a, a mental ill health um, condition, and having been through the depression, um, not the depression in terms of uh, financial elements, but having been through my personal journey of depression, which is going to be like nobody else's, and this is the thing I think we sort of we do we put everyone into this bundle of 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 anxiety or stress burnout or and like you know we're talking about autistic or adhd burnout it is so different um for other people and the impacts will be different and i always um because i i i do i tell my journey um as uh, as a speaker and i tell my journey as as part of what i'm doing uh, delivering training and for me it's again it's about well, this is what I actually, um, uh, you know, this is what I took away from that journey. And for me, it was f- for them from taken away from depression was 15 different coping strategies. And um, I, I normally list them uh, when I'm in the training and you sort of you tick them off and this and the reading and the bird watching and so on and so forth. And I've got more than 15, but I know there's a core 15 that will always make me um, uh, raise that bar again in terms of uh, looking after my mental health. And I've just started to develop those coping strategies for me. And it's, um, I think what I'm trying to do now is put the boundaries in place, put the boundaries and around time management and put the boundaries around acceptance of what I can do for myself. Um, because I know that I'm going to have 110 ideas every single day, even while listening to you and and hearing some of the stuff about the dyspraxic association. I'm like, oh, oh, that's reminded me. I really should do that. And oh, I thought, wouldn't this be good as a collaboration with Cal? And so already, my my brain is is um um. I'm a big fan of Roald Dahl and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, so I'm, I'm whiz popping uh, at the moment. And so, but I've got to, I've got to find a way to to not whiz pop all the time. And I've got to, I've got to understand that if I'm if I'm having twenty whiz pops, how do I how do I hone into the one that I know is manageable? So I'm almost. Um, and and I've, I've I've spoken to so many incredible people who have actually gone on to um, uh, you know, full diagnosis, ADHD diagnosis, and has actually gone down uh, a lot of the medication route. And I, whilst on the one hand, I'm like, wow, really, I'm like, that that would probably work for me. That give me clarity to, to focus. Um, at the same time, at the moment, I'm still enjoying the whiz bangs. I'm still enjoying the fizz pops. And so I've just got to sort of work out now how I can, how I can enjoy that idea manifestations but put them into buckets do you know what Simon that is never going to happen you're never going to be able to do that Um, but you might be able to do this and you might be able to do that and I think my biggest thing at the moment is adding the word yet to anything and so oh I can't do that yet and for me that's become a really big part of my life because it means that 
you know, we haven't we haven't failed. We haven't, um, you know, th this particular angle of what we're working on hasn't succeeded. It just hasn't worked yet. It will work. We just need to think about it in a different way. So I think for me, it's working on on my time management, on my time for me. Um, I, I try and put 15 minutes now between all the, uh, you know, all the meetings and stuff like that. And I actually try and sort of schedule in some mindfulness and some meditation, which I absolutely love. I've delivered a few breathwork webinars and a few mindfulness sessions for various companies. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm not, but I, I, I know enough of my own support to be able to educate others, and uh, and I love that. And I think that education of others is where really where, um, where I I thrive. Um, you know, the very name of the company came about because I wanted to help one person, and that one person was me. So when I created the company, I wanted a time travel. I realised I couldn't do that yet. Uh, I wanted to time travel and I wanted to travel back and I wanted to help support me. And so what I found is that subsequently I've supported hundreds of me's, thousands of me's, and that's really where I feel my privilege has come from. And as I now embark and we're, we're helping to support even more newer diverse individuals have their voice heard in the workplace, have their voice heard probably for the first time. We've we've had people who are 50, 60 break down in tears because the first time they've openly said that they're dyslexic to someone. And so having that in my life, I think, is 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 my real passion that that makes me because I want to help someone tomorrow and I'm going to help someone tomorrow. And having that knowledge is really impactful for me. Oh, you're speaking to my heart. <laughs> oh, so directly to my heart and my soul. I would love for you to share a little bit about the program that you have for training instructors at Thrive, because this is something that you guys have done a couple of classes through already. You and Chazzy have this wonderful group that has come out of this last one that you have. And it is such an incredible opportunity for those who are stepping into their advocacy work and really helping you spread this incredible message and thriving spreading that one to one person every day and that ripple effect. And, you know, when you're speaking about that and you and Shazzy both, you're speaking to my passion drivers. You know, that is, I, I love the discovery, the awe of meeting new people and, and seeing the light that's in them and then going, oh, well, I have this other light I want to introduce you to. And then there's this beautiful ignition. And through that, there's this combustion that ripples out into the world. And every day I wake up, my feet hit the floor and it's, how amazing is it going to be? Because it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. When we have a thriving, energized, ADHD, autistic, neurodistinct population in the world, how is that going to impact humanity? And you guys are doing that with this wonderful program. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. We're really proud of this. Um, we It's called the Neurodiversity in the Workplace Instructor Partner Program. And what we've done over the last three years is develop a program of webinars and workshops for for the workplace. Although they are for the workplace, we know that people from home go to the workplace. So the um, although we needed to focus it on, a, on that particular area, 
Um, a lot of it is about awareness, a lot of it is about acceptance, and a lot of it is about strengths. And I think that's the real important thing. We we empower, which I love your, your opening session, we empower people to be as strong as they are in the workplace as well as at home. And what we did when we when we developed the the training was realize that we couldn't do it alone. Uh, we we had there was three of us, four of us in the in the in the organisation, and we were being approached by very large companies. Um, uh, one of a, a very large um, I'm not really allowed to say what they are, but you'll you'll know their soft drink and their very famous Christmas advertising. Um, but um, uh, which we do with a wonderful partner of ours. And um, what that meant was that we were really able to impact large organizations. And you can't do that before people. So in March, we we started the Instructor Partner Program and we're on our fourth cohort uh, in November. And the good news is for anybody in the US, um, uh, this, four, this cohort that's in November and the cohort in January are fully virtual. So you will get Shezzy as your as your trainer, and she will train you to be an instructor partner of Thrive. So you're able to deliver the webinars, you're able to deliver the workshops um, as your own business unit. And the brilliant thing is we do already have an American interloper coming on to the uh, November cohort, an amazing uh, individual called Brian, Brian Ludden, and um, which we're hoping is going to be the first of many um, US advocates because we we don't believe this is a UK-based phenomenon, um, as, you, as you're proving, Carol, and yet the acceptance level in many other countries of even the understanding that people are neurodiverse, and it's not a bad thing and we shouldn't lock them all up um which is what we see in some other certain european countries that we work with so yeah if anybody does want to reach out um I'm, my linkedin is fully open and if you do feel that you want to to make a change make a difference out there help that one person that one person who's been hiding masking their dyslexia their autism their adhd and suddenly they look at your slides because they're yours. You know that you're using our, our our words, but ultimately you're doing the teaching. And they look and they go, "That's me." And then they realise that they're not alone. And that loneliness and that hurt and the pain that they've been going through for so many years since they were at school, wondering why they were different, suddenly becomes clear. And then even better, you can. Um, signpost them to Carol and the team. You can you can signpost them to all these wonderful experts out there that can actually make a difference in their life. We just feel we're giving you the tools to make a difference. You're the one that goes out and makes the difference. So um, thank you so much for letting me share that. It's uh, it's a real passion of mine. And it's one of mine as well. And I love to shine a light on incredible programs and projects in ways that we can step into that empowered leader that we already are. We're just unveiling some of the things that we didn't know about ourselves. So if you're out there and you're listening today or you're watching and you've joined Simon and I and you're like, you know what? I feel really, really strongly about them. This is something I want to look into. Simon has a wonderful program that he and Shazzy have put together. Please do reach out. So Simon, how do we never give up? 
no matter what your brain is telling you, because, you know, our brain will lie to us. And I didn't know that for the longest time. I didn't know my brain was lying to me. I thought it was telling me all the things that were true. And I believed them. And I'd go down the rabbit hole with it. And a lot of times that would take me into some dark places. How do we never give up? How do we start to disrupt or identify that our brain is just not telling us the accurate truth? of things. It may be subjective or throwing spaghetti at the wall because, you know, as we're going through this process, the processing phase of, you know, acceptance of, you know, like Mare shared in the chat, she said, I went through this grieving process and that's absolutely part of it. It yeah. absolutely is. It's that what would have been possible if I had known this sooner, you know, would I have made that choice? You know, would these things have still happened to me? And we can woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I got to that place in my life where I had woulda, coulda, shoulda everything in my life. I had grieved everything that had happened, my younger self throughout my 20s, my 30s, because you got to remember, I was 40 when I finally figured it out. And like you, it was a shock. It was surprising. And I was just like, really? Well, that makes sense. But I wasn't picking up on what people were laying down. You know, <laughs> it just wasn't, wasn't registering because I had been told, you know, you're so smart. You just can't quite get it together. Bless your heart. You know, as they say in the South, bless your heart. <laughs> You're so smart, but you, you just don't have any walking around sense is what I heard a lot, you know. But how do we start to sort of disrupt? How do we not give up? Because sometimes it's, we get to a place where we feel almost hopeless, but there's that glimmer. Why don't we kind of hold on to that? What are some, some, some guidance or insights that you have to share as we're wrapping up today? It's um yeah it's a it's a wonderful question because you know from any adversary you 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 take knowledge you take information and as you quite rightly pointed out especially for I mean you know you ask anybody in the world with a generalized anxiety disorder what's the worst going to happen expect a thirty to thirty five minute conversation of exactly what's going to happen as as you go so our brain lies to us probably on a on a on a minute by minute basis um, it tells us we're too fat we're too ugly we're too stupid um, it we you know negativity is five times we're drawn to negativity five times more than we're drawn to positivity so our brain is constantly telling us that we're not worth it we're you know our, our ideas once we once we get past that and once we realize that our thought process is about the thing not the thing itself and i think that's a really important and that you know i know you know if anyone has been here on cbt or anything it's around changing those thoughts feelings and and ultimately changing our behavior and the key thing is to say, I think we're we're moving into these, we talk about it, these enlightened times, don't we? The awareness is out there. More and more people are talking about themselves, about the way they feel. And for me, the not giving up, and I was, I've been told so many times over the years, and it's only probably in the last six months that I've suddenly had relived some of those conversations you're a square peg in a round hole you're um you're not really good at i mean i was a vp of sales you're not really good at selling are you simon and but you're not really good over here and actually what i was really good at was opening conversations not closing them i was really good at having exciting times developing the programs but not worrying about the invoices so what was happening was that i just had to find my niche i had to find that 
that space that meant I wasn't giving up. I wasn't, I was just moving into something that I knew I was good at. And for most of us, neurodiverse or otherwise, we know what we're good at. And for the most part, it's probably other people telling us that we're not good or we're going to fail. That's a really bad idea. So I think as well as trying to navigate our brain, I think we also have to navigate those other voices out there, those toxic voices from other individuals that say we're not going to succeed or we're not good enough. Um, and it is a minefield, but I think what you just need to do is surround yourself with people that love you, with people that actually care about you. And, you know, keep watching Carol because she has some incredible guests on and they will navigate you through some of this pain that you're going through. Oh, Simon, absolutely. And such great insights. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. You have been an incredible guest and I cannot thank you enough for coming and sharing your journey through ADHD and how you experienced it, what it means for you, and the whole journey through those seven stages and steps to acceptance. Because you, my friend, have stepped into your thrive. And it is just such an absolute joy to witness and to see how you impact so many other people. And, you know, here in Mind Your Autistic Brain, we love to do that too. And we have our monthly series, our 30-minute powerful lunch and learns. And this month for October Lunch and Learn is the incredible Judy Umless, author of The Power of Acknowledgement and architect of The Grateful Leadership. And Judy, we had a session last week on Thursday. Holy cow, this was really spectacular. Judy worked right there live with one of our attendees and helped them come up with and decide how she was going to share how much she acknowledged and appreciated all of the things her husband had been doing for her at home to support her work and to support her late identified journey. And oh my goodness, it was so inspiring. It's so exciting. And we have invited everybody that was there Thursday to join us this Thursday to come back and share how they've been using the power of acknowledgement. And hey, if you missed it, you got a chance to join us this Thursday again at 1230 Eastern time. So be sure you sign up. The link is on the Mind Your Autistic Brain homepage so you can get it there. And don't forget, Unleashing Sustainable Energy is out where you can dive into your thrive. You can take some assessments, but you know what? Assessments are only good if we have a framework to apply them and a framework that actually works with us and for us. And with the unveiling method, you will absolutely be able to step into the framework that works best for you. This has been a fantastic and really, really inspiring and fulfilling episode today. Gratitude flows as we come to the end of another incredible episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Thank you for being a part of this empowering journey, joining us in the comments section, adding your voice to this story. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm inspired by your commitment to growth and resilience. Keep applying these insights to your life. And remember, we're here every step of the way together. Share this podcast with others who could use a boost of empowerment and let's create a ripple effect of positive change. Until next time, take care, stay energized and keep thriving. Thank you, Simon, for being here today. Bye guys.